This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. Wait for the whistle to blow. And we are underway on Express FM. For the fans, by the fans. The atmosphere around Fratton at the moment is great and that's spilled over into the training ground and the boys are very, very positive. Giving you a voice. Everyone has a smile on their face. It's going really well and it's up to us to keep that, even in the tough moments. This is the Football Hour. And it's a good one. With Jake Smith. Pompey survive a first-half scare to overcome Cambridge United in midweek. Great play for Blade. Ball is going the other way. And Pompey come in the box. And Kamara scores! What a goal! Abu Kamara sealing a 3-1 victory for the Blues at Fratton Park after goals from Cassini Yengi and a first for Mars Pitt Harris 2. We'll be hearing from the Brentford Loney on tonight's show about the feeling of scoring his first Portsmouth goal. Couldn't hold my emotions to be fair. As I said, it was needed for me personally. I needed to break my uh, deadlock and uh, yeah, as you saw, my celebration was just all passion and a uh, great place to score my first goal. John Massinio will be on the show too, talking to George Wedlake about injuries, but also the luxury of having so much attacking quality in his squad. We're leaving some good attacking players out of squads and I think the other night to be able to make a double change and bring Callum Lang and, and Colby Bishop on was, was a real privilege, I think, for me to have as a head coach. And, of course, Blues fans, we want to be hearing from you this evening. Should the Blues look to bring in a free agent midfielder with Tom Lowry expected to be out for an extended period? Does Colby Bishop come straight into the 11 or should the gaffer stick with Cassini Yengi up top? And how do you think Pompey will get on against Reading tomorrow? All the usual ways. It's 81400 on the text. Start your messages with the word Express. Email Pompey at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm over on X. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Or download and get in touch via the ExpressFM app. You can send us a message on there or even a voice note too. It's Friday evening, a very good evening, and welcome to the Football Hour. The Football Hour. Driven by Stagecoach across the South. Download the app now from the App Store or Google Play to view up-to-date timetable information and to prepay for your journey. Express FM. Yes, good evening. Welcome to the show. You join us here on this Friday evening for another instalment of the Football Hour brought to you by Stagecoach across the South. And we deliver a review of Tuesday's 3-1 victory for Pompey over Cambridge United at Fratton Park, as well as a look ahead to the Blues next game. Match day number 34 of this League One season. We're really getting to the business end of the League One campaign. And we want to be hearing from you tonight, Pompey fans. Let us know all of your thoughts from Tuesday's win and your score predictions for the visit of the Royals tomorrow afternoon. We're going to get some thoughts of our two studio guests as well as you guys from back home as well, but not before we hear the highlights from the midweek win at PO4. John Massinio made two changes from the side that were 1-0 victors over Carlisle United just three days prior. Callum Lang and Colby Bishop dropping out of the side. Abu Kamara and Cassini Yengi coming into the starting eleven. On the commentary at Fratton Park, Andy Moon and Lee Bradbury. Every kick, left a great delivery. Every goal, curling it past the goalkeeper. Every game is right here. Oh, I don't believe it! Pompey Live. What a moment for Pompey! On Express FM. And the whistle has gone, and we are underway here at Fratton Park. Yengi into the box to Peter Harris, looking back to Yengi. And Cambridge have to clear it behind for a Pompey corner, 0 0. Shortness, he's lost it, and suddenly Cambridge have got a two and one. Lancaster and Taylor, can they play this correctly? Lancaster, chance for Cambridge, and it's deflected wide. I think it might be Rafferty who's got the key block, Cambridge corner. The visitors blow a great chance, 0 0. Gibbons sends it in, 
It wasn't that long in the end, but still caused a few problems, and it still might. It's loose in the air, and Kaiko shot blocked wide. Here comes the corner, lofted to the near post. Probably miss it, headed down. Norris, has he got off the line? I don't think he has. The goal has been given, and Danny Andrew has scored. Cambridge have got the lead, almost in slow motion. Will Norris wanting a word with the assistant referee on this near touchline, but the flag went up straight away. And the goal has been given. It's Portsmouth nil, Cambridge won. Yangi shoots from distance, put it wide. Decent effort, 1-0 Cambridge. Yangi, chance for Yangi, close out, that must be a penalty. That is as easy a decision as the referee will have. Yangi starts his run-up, steps up and scores. Pretty much straight down the middle. And Cassini Yangi has got Portsmouth back. There is not time for that long throw to come into the box, and that is half time. Good from Yengi outside the box, Yengi to Lane in the penalty area. Lane to Pierre Harris! Portland has taken the lead! Miles Pierre Harris just stuck out a right leg and got the end of one of his stunts to make some contact with the ball. The flag stays down, and Portland have turned this one around. Portland 2, Cambridge United 1. Great play from Lane, ball was going the other way, and Pompey come in the box, and Kamara scores! What a goal! From Abu Kamara! Over Stevens' head, it clips the bar and goes in, and Pompey have that third goal. Portsmouth 3, Cambridge 1. Whistle goes, Sam Allison blows it. Portsmouth have been tested tonight by Cambridge United, but it is a test that they have passed. Thanks to Cassini Yengi's penalty, Miles Piat, Harris and Abu Kamara in the second half. Portsmouth has deservedly got the three points tonight. All the unmissable action. Pompey Live on Express FM. Yeah, there we go then. The highlights of Tuesday's 3-1 victory for Pompey over Cambridge United at Fratton Park. Let's take a look at the other results from League One. A full complement of fixtures in the third division midweek. Bolton Wanderers 2-1 victors at home to Wickham. Charlton Athletic drawing one all with Lincoln City at uh, the Valley. Cheltenham Town 2-0 winners over Blackpool. Elsewhere, Derby County securing a 3-0 win away at Exeter. It finished Fleetwood 1. Tomorrow's opponents, Reading 1. Leighton Orient 4, Northampton Town 3, Oxford United 4, Wigan Athletic 2, Shrewsbury Town 1, Barnsley 1 and Stevenage 2, Bristol Rovers 3. So let's take a look at the implications that has on the League 1 table and we'll start at the bottom for a change, shall we? Bottom of the table, Carlisle United with another defeat remain rooted to the spot of the table with only 20 points on the board. Now 12 points adrift of safety. Fleetwood Town, Cheltenham and Port Vale join the Cumbrians in the uh, bottom four. Charlton Athletic, by the way, on 32 points, just one point above Port Vale, who have three games in hand on the Addicts. So, uh, big, big trouble at Charlton Athletic in. Tomorrow's opponents, Reading, unbeaten in six. We're going to come on to talk about them in a little bit more detail later on in tonight's show. They are now up to 16th position and currently four points above the drop zone. But again, Port Vale do have those three games in hand. At the top, Pompey remain top of the table and will continue to do so despite whatever happens at Fratton Park tomorrow. They have a six-point cushion over Derby County in second. The Blues have 69 points on the board, 20 wins and nine draws from 33 games. Derby in second, as we mentioned, 63 points. Bolton in third with three games in hand on Pompey with 62 points on board. 
Barnsley up to fourth, Peterborough United in fifth after three straight defeats. Oxford United now the team in sixth position, Leapfrog and Stevenage, who dropped down into seventh. And by the way, Blackpool, who were in and around the mix of the playoffs a few weeks ago, have dropped down to ninth underneath Leighton Orient, who've been on a superb run of form in 2024. Leighton Orient now seven points adrift of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, of course, they were in the, the bottom half prior to the new year. Right, let's welcome in our two studio guests for this evening's conversation. And we start off um, with Kirsty Roxanne, who joins us in the studio. Kirsty, a very good evening to yourself. Good evening. Great to have you on the show tonight. Um, and a great win on Tuesday night as well. Summarise that one if you can. Uh, um, unexpected, I'm going to say, after the first half um, performance we had. Definitely unexpected. But then then again, it's Portsmouth. And that second half was a completely different game of football. And it was one that definitely showed that we are top of the league. So yeah. it, was, um, it was incredible. More from Kirsty in just a second. Uh, Sam Macy joins us over the powers of the internet this evening. Sam, a very good evening. I'm hoping you can hear us. Yeah, yeah, well, good mate, can you? Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to be on and uh, talk Pompey with you. Fantastic stuff. And as Kirsty's rightfully alluded to there, Sam, another comeback victory on Tuesday night for the Blues, the ninth of the league season, where they've come back from a goal behind to go on and win uh, or take a result from the game. They won it, of course, on Tuesday night. Uh, it says a lot about the, the kind of character and the strength of him, the squad mentally, too. Yeah, definitely. I think if you look at that sort of team which played and slightly rotated sort of players who haven't played that much football in the last month or so, sort of alluding to Cassini Yengi. Um, he was really sharp when he played and it was sort of nice to see him get his goal. Um, I thought he led the line quite well and it's going to be so big for the running, I think, giving Colby Bishop a little bit of a chance to sort of relax and, and rest as, as as and when. Um, yeah, it was a really good It was a really good second half. First half, not so much, but I think when you play as well as we did the second half, it's, it's just nice to get the three points on the board and hopefully we can kick on and... Uh, get a couple more wins in the next few games. Mm. It was actually quite a positive start to the game, I thought, on Tuesday night, Kirsty. He'd be opening sort of seven to ten minutes of the match. Pompey started on the front foot. They had a couple of opportunities and, and, and really started the game as, as well as we had hoped throughout the rest of the season that they would do. Um, but then there was a sort of 20, 25-minute lull period where it's kind of end-to-end. No real team was really creating great opportunities until Cambridge took the lead. What do you put that down to? Was it, was it fatigue? Was it Cambridge growing in confidence? Was it Pompey taking their foot off the gas? I I really couldn't say because, like you said, that first 10 minutes, it was very much Portsmouth the whole, the whole 10 minutes. We were just attacking. There were so many opportunities being created. And then I reckon we just... I feel like we kind of, like, sat back a bit, but for no reason or whether you could say that Cambridge kind of then put man-to-man and made it harder for us to then push forward, but it did just seem to come to a bit of a dead end Mm. and it stayed that way, obviously, until the goal happened and then it kind of stuck a rocket and we all just (laughs) went, the team just went crazy and then obviously then we got rewarded our penalty, which then obviously changes the game. So, yeah, you could say, or you could say it was a bit more stop play that kind of happened or you could put it down to a number of things, but then obviously the coming out of the second half just proved that we were still there to fight for it and obviously that's proven as well by the now nine we've come back from being defeated from so yeah it's a good start maybe uh was it a bit of complacency perhaps in, in midweek for you sam pompey to, you know it, allowing cambridge to come into the game they took the lead on the 39th minute but you could see instantly from the reaction four minutes later pompey getting that penalty um maybe it took cambridge going in front in that match to to really give that give pompey the, the kick up the backside they needed to get back into the game yeah definitely i think sort of sometimes you sort of say the you're most vulnerable when you just concede and I think Cambridge sort of maybe sort of went a little bit sloppy I think 
their, their, their coaching staff would have been saying, get to half-time with this lead and, and we'll kick on from there and frustrate that, the, the crowd. But the worst thing they could have done was sort of let us back in. I think as soon as, soon as we conceded, I think Cassini Yang had a shot from, from just outside the box, which went wide. And it was sort of from there, it was like, yeah, if we, if we just if we just run at this side and sort of put them on the back foot and like, like we did in the first few minutes, then we're, we're going to get chances. And I think it just takes sort of one person to be brave and sort of step up and, and, and attack a defence, especially when they're a little bit shaky and then sort of cracks begin to show. And um, yeah, it, it was a really good response. And I think, like Kirsty said, it was sort of it was sort of what the spark which we need to sort of get back in the game and, and, and show that we, we can do what we need to do. But yeah, it was bizarre because you can't really say it's fatigue or anything because the first 10 minutes were so good. Um, if it was a bit of consistency, you can sort of say that possibly the travelling from Carlisle, sort of like that Saturday, Tuesday, maybe was sort of something to do with it. But the way we started was really good. There was some nice, nice build-up play with uh, Peter Harris and Yengi, and then it sort of just dropped off a cliff. Um, yeah, I think Cambridge did what they need to do, frustrated us for the for the first 40 minutes, and then when they scored, it's probably the worst possible time for them to score, as, as it sort of gave us uh, a little bit of a spark to get back into it. Hmm. Let's talk about that opening goal, Kirsty. Cambridge taking the lead on the 39th minute. Danny Andrew nodding in uh, from a corner, which was taken in a kind of corner between the North Stand and the Milton End. Um, that corner actually came after a corner previous to it, taken the other side of the pitch. Um, now, a bit of controversy around that, because Will Norris had been judged to get a touch on it. Um, and the, the linesman on that far side had given, given Cambridge a corner kick. Uh, referee is quite hesitant to do so until he had received that communication from his linesman. I believe you're in a, a decent position to see that based on where you sit at Fratton Park. Did, did Will yeah. Norris get a touch on it? Or no. Is, no? <laughs> no, he didn't get a touch on it at all. Um, it literally skimmed his hand and... Obviously, I think it was at their number seven, I want to say. He started to run back away. Hmm. So he knew full well that was not a corner. It was like he went to touch it and then yeah. pulled his hand away um, last second. Because obviously where I sit, it's basically on the box. Yeah. Um, right on the south stand. But yeah, and he, he didn't get a touch to it at all. So obviously we all went up in riot. And then it was just <laughs> typical that obviously I couldn't see if the ball went over the line but obviously we're going to say that it didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was all led from a ball that was definitely a goal kick. Yeah. So obviously that was clear frustration. And the fact that the, the ref hesitated so much makes it even more frustrating because yeah. it's like... You should, you should be able to know. No, exactly. <laughs> Massive frustration. Of course, it doesn't cost Pompey anything in the end. They came back to win that game by three goals to one. We're going to talk about the rest of the goals in a bit more detail uh, very, very shortly. And looking at the replays from that Cambridge goal, none of the replays give it much justice. Um, none of the angles are, are too conclusive, whether or not it goes behind uh, the line or not. But the goal was given to Danny Andrew and Cambridge took the lead uh, on the 39th minute. But like I say, more on Pompey's three goals later. But first, let's get some reaction from within the Pompey camp from Tuesday's win, starting with Mars Pitt-Harris speaking to Max Watton. Miles, how did you find that victory today? Uh, important, important on a, on a personal side and a, a team side. Uh, obviously, the other results went to the other teams that are top of the league and it was important for us to get the three points. I think first half we started slow, grew into it as it come, but we, we can't afford to, to start like that. As we said, uh, every game is a cup final now, so uh, second half we come out sharp and obviously get to get two goals to get three goals is very important. Yeah, as you said there, started off quite slow. We got that really important goal before half-time. What was the gaffer's message at the break? What did he want to see from you all in the second half? Uh, he wanted us to, to keep our shape, to keep our shape a lot more and to be a lot more patient. And I just saw in the second and third goal, we, uh, it comes down my side and it goes into abs and leaving 1v1, he cuts in and scores and goes down to... Went uh, down to um, Paddy and Paddy uh, across, uh, across goal. And, uh, yeah, important. 
How nice is it to be able to celebrate in front of a packed crowd over there as well? Oh, couldn't hold my emotions, to be fair. As I said, it was needed for me personally. I needed to, to break my uh, deadlock. And, uh, yeah, as you saw, my celebration was just all passion and a uh, great, great, great place to score my first goal. What can that goal for you sort of do for you in, in the long term and, and moving forwards in terms of confidence and, and wanting to go on and get more? Um, yeah, as I said, this, this first one obviously broke the, broke the padlock for me and fingers crossed I, I, I keep scoring and I keep providing for the team. As I said, um, every game's important and, and they need me as much as possible and I'll do whatever I can for the team. So. It's your first game here at Fratton Park under the lights on a Tuesday. What did you make of it? What did you make of the noise? <laughs> Top, as always. Uh, the fans, even the travelling fans, when we have away games, I'm quite surprised on the turnout and obviously here's a phenomenal place to be and a phenomenal crowd as always. Just finally, what's the mood like in the dressing room after, the, after a really important victory, as you said? Buzzing, buzzing, but uh, everyone's still focused. Uh, I think that's really important. Everyone stays uh, level-headed and we straight focus on Saturday. John, three points on, under the lights here at Fratton Park. What do you make of it? I think that the uh, the game overall, we, we, we definitely deserve to win it. And uh, there were some, I think, disappointing moments, particularly in the first half. We uh, we started OK, actually. I thought for five, ten minutes we were bright, we were lively. And then I'm, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but then we, we lost our shape and, and we lost our way a bit. And to be fair, when Cambridge scored, I thought they deserved to go ahead because of how poor we'd been. And then all of a sudden we kicked ourselves into life. So the back end of the first half, the last five minutes, and um, we carried that into the second half. Where I thought we were excellent for the entirety of the second half and, and thoroughly deserved to put two two balls into the back of the net really really pleased with that and obviously really pleased with the three points a couple of things to address i think particularly the fact that we did wait to go a goal down until we um came to life but i, I suppose you can't have it all uh, we, we'll keep pressing for for us to perform better across the 90 but overall a really good day it's another real fast start they got the goal which could be seen as quite a controversial one what effect did that have on the rest of the half uh, I, well I, I, I think that in terms of the, the effect that the goal had, it did sort of kick us into kick us into gear, kick us into action. We were really poor for, I think, about half an hour before they scored. Um, and then all of a sudden I thought, yeah, we decided, OK, um, that's enough, enough's enough. We're going we're gonna to show up. We're, we're not going to really give Cambridge too many more openings. And I can't actually think of many other chances they had apart from set pieces. So really pleased with that. But just again, I know I've reiterated it. It's happened a couple of times this season. Not too much recently because I think we've been much better at it. But we just waited to go a goal down before we reacted. Something you mentioned earlier on the season was the effect the noise in the Milton end has. More supporters in there today and it really seemed to make a difference today as well. Oh, big difference, I think, obviously, for the second game that we've had here. And Cambridge turned us round, which I think is probably a smart thing to do because us attacking the fratten end of the second half has produced quite a lot of goals over my time here. So I think it's made a big difference. Actually, I think it does change the the way that things feel in the stadium, and really felt that from from both sides. And actually, from you know all round today, it was just one of those. I think it's been a been a, a small change, but it's had a massive effect. Tom Lowry just finally came off with an injury, a real sad moment for him, just as he's hitting some consistency in terms of minutes and performances. What's the latest with him? He felt his hamstring, and I think it's a bit more than tightness, so really gutted for Tom on that one. One of those that we we did take a, a long look at and, and we thought that Tom was, was ready to, to play tonight and obviously that's something that I'll have to take on board and I take responsibility for that, but I did think he'd be ready to play. Just really, really disappointed for him because he'd been coming, he'd been coming into his own, he'd come into the side, he'd done really well. I think obviously the interview before the game, we speak about how frustrated Tom's been over the, his time at Portsmouth because whenever he's played, he's been, he's been excellent, but that's not been often enough because of the injuries. And something that we'll, you know, we, we definitely have looked at. We, we deliberately didn't play him against Oxford on that Saturday, Tuesday because um, of that 
you know, sort of managing back in, but we did think sort of six, eight weeks down the line that he'd be capable of doing it. So I'm really disappointed for him and something that I'll take responsibility for. The post-match thoughts of both Miles Pitt-Harris and John Massino speaking to Max Swatton after Tuesday's 3-1 victory for Pompey at home to Cambridge United. We're going to get the thoughts more from Kirsty Roxanne and Sam Macy after the break. And we're also going to hear again from John Massino speaking to our very own George Wedlake. He's been previewing tomorrow's game against Reading and also provides more of an update on Tom Lowry. We've had the scan results. Uh, I think it's great to see that, that Tom Lowry's got. I think we're going to go and send on to see a specialist on Wednesday just to get a bit more clarification on particularly the location of the injury more than anything else so we're not going to put a time scale on it yet it's not going to be one that turns around in in a couple of weeks but hopefully it won't be you know too much beyond that join us for more when the football hour returns in just a few moments time for the fans by the fans the football hour with Jake Smith on Express FM the new Stagecoach Flexi 5, a bus ticket that works when you do. For those who travel often, but not every day. These new flexible bus tickets are available as Flexi 5. Bundles of five day riders for the price of four. And Flexi 10, bundles of 10 day riders for the price of seven. Flexi tickets are now available to download via the Stagecoach bus app. Download Flexi 5 or Flexi 10 from Apple App Store or Google Play today. For more information, visit stagecoachbus.com. For the fans, by the fans, the Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. Yes, welcome back to the show. Joining me on the uh, Football Hour this evening, Kirsty Roxanne and Sam Macy up until 7 o'clock, which is when Steve Randall takes over the desk here at Express FM for the latest edition of School Days. More from Steve later on. We're back to the Pompey conversation and back to review of uh, Tuesday night's victory over Cambridge United at Fratton Park. We're going to come on to talk about Pompey's goals now. Um, Sam, Pompey equalised the game on, on Tuesday in the 45th, uh, 44th minute, actually. Cassini Yengi had home a penalty from the uh, from a 12-yard spot, sending the goalkeeper the wrong way. He was brought down by Michael Morrison, the former Pompey defender, of course, now Cambridge United captain. Um, Cassini Yengi taking that penalty then in uh, the absence of Colby Bishop on the pe- on the bench. Was that always going to be Yengi's, in your opinion, Sam, or were you expecting somebody else to take that? Yeah, I think it was always going to be Yengi's. I think if you look at whenever he's on the pitch, uh, he always takes him. I think back to the, uh, the one of Forest Green, then Late in or into he sort of scored in a week uh, in sort of like in August this year, uh, back end of last year. Sorry, um, both of those were really, really well taken. I think it looked almost like Abu Kamara was going to take it initially. I think he had the ball for ages, but I don't know if that was just as Yangi was getting up. Um, but I think once he sort of once he sort of got the ball and he put it down, I think he, he was the most confident man in Fratton Park. So yeah, it, it, it was good, and it was. I, I thought the keeper sort of went the right way initially from from my sort of angle in the north stand, but. It was such a well-taken penalty and it was sort of very different to how sort of Colby Bishop takes them. I think Colby Bishop mm. waits for the keeper to move and sort of rolls on the other side and it sort of worked to a disadvantage sort of in the last few weeks, uh, the, the few penalty misses he's had. But I think Yangi sort of made his mind up early and, and hit it with power. It was, it, was, it was a really good finish. And yeah, I think I think that'll do him the world of good sort of coming back from, from, from international duty to get, to get that goal in his first start back. Yeah, really positive, really positive and, and, and really well-taken penalty. And for somebody, Kirsty, who has been playing second fiddle for most of the season to Colby Bishop, as Sam mentioned, there to come back from international duty, of course, was involved on Saturday at Carlisle, didn't um, didn't come onto the pitch, but of course started on Tuesday night. He had that sort of weight on his shoulders to, to fill the boots of Colby Bishop um, and, and did so, I guess, with, with relative ease to have that opportunity right before the half-time mark to equalise things for, for Pompey at Fratton Park. It's a big expectation and a big pressure on him but he dealt with it well 
Yeah, completely. And I think I remember seeing a stat that was like between the 40 and 50 minutes, Bishop has never scored a penalty. <laughs> right. Like, I think he's always missed or it's been saved between those minutes. So let's just be very grateful that Yengi was on the pitch, if that stat is correct. I remember seeing it after. So if Colby Bishop does he start tomorrow and Pompey get a penalty within that time frame? Yeah, I don't think he's it. ever... Sc- I, I'm pretty certain that was a stat, so it's definitely nice. good. But, I mean, the fact how he came straight back and you could just see how eager he was to really prove exactly how, how good he is. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that we've got two strikers this season that equally are just as talented in different areas. I mean, the hold-up play that Bishop does, you cannot fault him. No. Maybe not scoring as many as he did last season. But then, like, if he if he did go to Blackpool and he had scored this many, we'd be like, why the hell didn't we keep him? <laughs> so I think when you look at it from that perspective, yeah, he hasn't scored as many as last season, but his hold-up play is amazing. And then you've got Yankee who just doesn't stop. Like, i think pretty certain that whole 90 minutes, he was just running around, like turning the, the defenders here, there and everywhere. Like Michael Morrison had an absolute nightmare trying to keep up with him, which was obviously entertaining. Um, but yeah, it's, it is really nice to see two super strong strikers that are kind of not necessarily in a battle together, I wouldn't say that, but like they are fighting for that yeah. number nine spot. Colby Bishop with 15 league goals this season. The top goal scorer in League One, by the way, Devante Cole. Uh, level with Jamie Reid at Stevenage with 17. So Colby Bishop only two goals off the top goal scorer, Mark. But as you mentioned, drying up potentially an open play for Colby Bishop over the last month or so. A lot of those have come from a penalty spot recently. Um, Devante Cole playing 31 games, Jamie Reid 30, and Colby Bishop also on 31. In third and fourth, we have Alfie May from Charlton and Jordan Rhodes from Blackpool. Jordan Rhodes has only played 25 league games this season, scoring the 15 goals. So, yeah, Colby Bishop still in and amongst the race for the uh, the Golden Boot this season. James Collins down in seventh position, uh, level on goals with uh, Bolton's Dion Charles with 13. And uh, both James Collins and Dion Charles have this week been subject to injury concerns. Uh, We know that James Collins will be having a late fitness test for Derby's game tomorrow, and Dion Charles is also causing a bit of a headache for Ian Everett um, after coming off on Tuesday night so uh, hopefully that can give uh, Pompey a little bit of a boost between now and the end of the season um, having those two players injured for their respective rivals um, but enough of that and back on to Tuesday's game Sam and into the second half Pompey had to start off the game really as like they did on uh, you know the first half and in the 59th minute Miles Peter Harris tapping home from close range a delivery from the left hand side from Paddy Lane he'd receive a ball from inside the box from Cassini Yengi, who was persistent to keep the chance alive. And how great is it to see Mars Pitt Harris of Brentford Loney get his first goal for the club? Yeah, it was really good. I think um last couple of games he's got quite a bit of stick on social media, which I think is slightly slightly unfair. Um I think he sort of come into the come into the side and the first couple of games he looked really good and sort of looked looked like he was going to sort of hit the ground running and, and be that sort of creative player which we've missed since Alex Robertson's injury. But yeah, I think I think it took a couple of games since then for him to sort of get back into back into things, and that 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 goal's only going to do him the world of good. I think you can, you, you, I think everyone's seen the um, the angle which the club captured from behind the goal, just just the passion which he showed when he sort of put that into the goal. It was nice to sort of see Owen Moxon celebrating just as much as Pitt Harris as well, um, and I think it's nice to sort of see a low a lone who who's come come into the club. He sort of bought into sort of the, the history of the club and, and the fans and sort of understands the passion and you can sort of see from that celebration that he, he sort of does understand the club and he, and, he, and he gets it so yeah over the moon for him and I think that's going to do him the world of good because I think John Moussinho really fancies him you can see that from from, from he started every game since he's been 
like come into the club. So yeah, it's really good and it can only be a positive. And I think with the central midfielder options, which we've got at the minute, I think he's going to play a massive role from now to the end of the season on. We've only really got sort of three or four midfielders who are going to be able to play in. I think I think he's he's going to have to carry the weight of responsibility on his shoulders to play in that ten and sort of make it his own. And if he can get some more goals like he did on Tuesday night, then touch wood, he can he can fire us the promotion. Twelve minutes later, Pompey made it three-one. Abu Kamara on his left foot, curling a, a venomous strike and a buffer keeper in off the crossbar. Kirsty, that goal uh, gave the Pompey fans a bit of a breathing space and a chance to relax a little after uh, a, a bit of a nervy ten minutes from that second goal. You always felt that Cambridge had the the opportunities to get into the game, and, and with the you know the scoreline at two one, it was always going to be um, a lot less comfortable. But Abu Kamara made sure of it, and what a strike it was as well. What oh, a strike. It was literally gorgeous. And it looked like it was going to hit the crossbar and then it just swooped down. <laughs> and I think I've watched it from so many different angles that everyone's been posting and it just looks incredible at every angle. And it's just one of those goals, you know, where you're always saying, like, just shoot from outside the box, just yeah. go for it. And then when they do and they score a blinder like that, you just think, oh, how glorious. And for it to be Abu Kamara as well, I think he's absolutely, like, the progression he has made since he started, like, since he's come on for, since he's come to the club basically has just been incredible like he's just grown and grown and grown and obviously when he was he was benched was it Carl Carlisle yeah. he was benched wasn't he um that was a bit of a shock but then he came on straight away and proved with the assist to to Paddy that he just exactly the player he is so I just think the fact that he scored that goal I was just like oh a little bit of joy for him <laughs> got the assist for Paddy Lane last Saturday made the difference coming on coming off the bench as you mentioned at Bronson Park and then scoring that worldie you can't really call it anything less than that on Tuesday night um, to get the, the weight of it just above the goalkeeper but also um, chipping in off the post it was a beautiful goal to watch and um, yeah really representative of a, a player who's um, really full of confidence at the moment and, and Sam speaking of Abu Kamara and the changes but John Messina made not just for, for Tuesday's game but for Carlisle game as well as Kirsty mentioned there to drop Abu Kamara bring him back in on Tuesday night and to, to bring Colby Bishop and Callum Lang out of a starting eleven midweek um, in, in place of Abu Kamara and Cassini Yengi goes to show the kind of strength that John Bassino has got in his squad, at least in an attacking sense. Yeah, 100%. I think if you're a Cambridge fan and you've sort of come down on a Tuesday night and you go 3-1 down with, with half an hour to play, the last thing you want is to see Colby Bishop and Callum Lang come on the pitch. Um, yeah, I think from sort of my perspective anyway, I think John Bassino sort of has almost put Callum Lang as that first choice right midfielder. I completely understand why as well. You spent however much on him and Abu Kamara isn't our player. So at the end of the season, he's going to be going back to Norwich and will probably be playing championship football at least next season, if not higher. Um, I think just just looking at it like that, he sort of played himself back into contention to be the first choice to, to play on that right-hand side. Um, I think if you look at sort of where we were in in, in the beginning of the season, I think he, him and Paddy Lane were third and fourth choice wingers and, and they've they've really come into their own this season I think Abu Kamara you can sort of see shifting him over onto that right hand side he, he's playing with so much more confidence he can sort of shift in and onto that left left foot like we saw on uh, Tuesday night and, and, and shoot and he, and, he, and he sort of understands a lot more that he can go on the outside and beat a man I think if you look at sort of how he was matching up against that left back for Cambridge I think every time in the first half that's sort of what changed the game is, is Abu beating his man and going down that side and if you're putting balls balls into the box for Colby Bishop or Cassini Yengi, they're going to get a hell of a lot of goals. Um, and it's just it's just nice to see him him and Paddy Lane have have really been good this season, especially Paddy Lane as well, sort of double double figures in goals. And I think it's it's so, it's so underrated what he did on with, with that assist on Tuesday as well to to win the ball back and, and give it to Kamara 
he said a lot to do, but it, it, was, it was really good from Paddy Lane as well. But yeah, really, really positive. And I think Abu Kamara sort of, he was really raw when he came in and it's really nice to see that he sort of flourished and he's made that right-hand side his own this season. And probably quite fair to say that Abu Kamara may be playing Championship football next season, Kirsty. And I don't want to look too far ahead to next season because I don't want to put the mockers on things when this season's not done yet. Pompey haven't got the job done and there's still a long way to go. But they are in a fantastic position. Abu Kamara, if he's playing Championship football next season, is he worth whatever money Norwich say he's valued at for, for Pompey to go out and say, do you know what, we want him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sign him up. <laughs> when we do get, Unless when it's we, like 100 million, obviously. But. Yeah, but when we do get to Championship, the fact that when you look at our side now, there is a lot of Championship-worthy players. Mm. I mean like defence wise, midfield wise, attacking wise, like and if we could keep the same team when we go into championship at the end of this season and keep that same team, we've already got that team dynamic, we've already mm. got the whole squad has already gelled together. Who knows what we what damage we could do when we get up there. So I think, yep, yeah, sign him up. Absolutely. <laughs> Sign him up. Right, let's um, let's get more from uh, John Messina now. And, and rather than looking back on Tuesday's win over Cambridge United at Fratton Park, he's been looking ahead to tomorrow's visit of Reading to PO4. First asked by George Wedlake how things have been in training this week after that win on Tuesday. We came in on Wednesday, we did the, the debrief of the game, and it was a recovery session for the lads that have played, and then for the other boys it was a case of trying to get some good training into the legs, and it's just been all about preparation today. So nice and positive, but we've had to just make sure that we bank everything on Tuesday, put it away and move on to Reading. Your team's ability to come back from going behind is something else this season, isn't it? Yeah, it was pleasing that we were able to do it. We were slightly disappointed with the fact that we did go a goal behind... Uh, on Tuesday there are games we've gone a goal behind where I'm not too concerned because the performances have been there but if you look at two that spring to mind the other night and say Reading when we played them away and we went two goals down I thought performances up until that point have been really poor and, and we deserved to actually go in as we'd gone in so that was the concerning thing for me but really happy that the boys bounced back and then second half the other night I thought it was as comprehensive as we've been for a long time. Uh, Abu Kamara back in the start at 11 after being on the bench for the previous couple of games. How impressed are you with his character considering he's at such a young age he's able just to come back, slot straight back in and play so well? I think a big part of that is the fact that no, Abby wasn't dropped. He didn't find himself out of the side because of performances. I thought he just had played so many games over that Christmas and New Year period that it was a good time to be able to bring him out with some of the players that we had in behind him. So that was the most important thing. And I think when that happens to you as a player, I suppose he should go into the game with a lot more confidence, which he clearly did. And it's very, very nice to be able to, first of all, have Abu off the bench against Carlisle, who made the difference in terms of setting up that goal for Paddy. And then second of all, to have him coming back into the side and actually being fresh, because we had that long, long trip up to Carlisle. Plenty of players, I think, were tired that had played that 90 minutes, but Abs came in, slotted in, showed a lot of energy and got his goal. Uh, Paddy Lane seems to be in top form lately. Cassini Yengi, first start since returning from the Asia Cup as well. Uh, Miles Pitt Harris getting his first goal. How are you finding it having all these attacking options at your disposal currently? Yeah, I think it's nice. It's definitely nice to have those options. We're leaving some good attacking players out of squads. And I think the other night to be able to make a double change and bring Callum Lang and, and Colby Bishop on was, was a, real, a real privilege, I think, for me to have as a head coach. So really happy with those attacking options and, and particularly with the lads that aren't even getting a minute at the moment. And I, we think we've really got some really good players that uh, still are yet, yet to produce their best and can really come into the side and make an impact. So having that, I think, in behind Colby and then obviously now in behind Cassini with uh, another centre forward that's scoring a lot of goals is a real positive. 
Um, someone we haven't seen for quite some time, Christian Sadie. Any any sort of update on his role from now until the end of the season? Uh, no, Christian's working hard trying to get back into the side, and yeah, no no update for me other than um, you know Christian is is a really good kid. He's done really well when he's came in for large parts of this season. I probably count himself a bit unlucky to to not be in the squad recently, but um, yeah, he's he's got his head down. He's working hard, and, and hopefully we'll see him soon. And what's the situation with Tom Lowry and the hamstring? So Tom Lowry, we've had the, the scan results. Uh, I think it's a great to see that, that Tom Lowry's got. I think we're going to go and send Tom to see a specialist on Wednesday just to get a bit of a bit more clarification on particularly the location of the injury more than anything else. So we're not going to put a time scale on it yet. Um, it's it's not going to be one that turns around in, in a couple of weeks, but hopefully it won't be um, you know too much beyond that. And we'll, we'll have to obviously monitor that next week. So in that defensive kind of midfield role at the moment, things looking slightly thin on the ground. Owen I mean, Moxon's obviously an option there coming on for Tom Lowry on Tuesday. Uh, but how else do you view that situation currently? I think we've got plenty of cover, even though we haven't necessarily got any frontline central midfielders or frontline sixes that are fit at the moment. Mars has played there a lot in uh, Chelsea's academy. He played there quite a bit last year for Forest Green and in Brentford's uh, B team as well. So there's there's definitely cover there. Connor Shotnessy played a huge amount for Burton last season in that position. Connor Ogilvy came on against Fleet for us, although we don't think that's going to be his best position. And the other one, which I think the, a few of the um, fans have probably seen this year, is that Zach Swanson, although he starts as a right back a lot of the time for us in the games that he's played he does pop into the middle of the park and he can handle the ball really comfortably so I think he's a definite option as well when he's back What about Harry Jewett White any, any news on that front maybe a recall No we can't recall Harry uh, What's the latest on the injury front in total then throughout the squad I think in terms of imminent returns, Zach's the one that is going to be back with us training next week and that'll be really good. I think he'll be available probably after the Charleston game, but we will make sure that we manage him back in and, and do that properly. Uh, apart from that, no uh, imminent injury returns, so we are, as, we are as a squad certainly for the next couple of weeks. Uh, next up is Reading coming to Fratton Park. The reverse fixture was quite a spectacle. Going two down, ended up winning 3-2. What are you expecting from this one? I think Reading are a side in really good form and they've shown that over the last six to eight games they've really picked up their form, taken themselves away from the relegation zone. I think they've done terrifically all season to have bounced back from the points deduction and everything that's going on off the pitch for Reading. And they've got a really good side with some really good players in there. They've taken some very, very good players from this level and the level above. And they're you know, very, very well coached by, a, I think, a, a head coach who was in the Premier League last year. So a definite threat. We've got to make sure that we treat it as such. And I think it'll be a good game of football. And for the first time since 2011, there's a prospect of potentially having more than 20,000 fans inside Fratton Park at the weekend. What kind of difference can that make? I think everything that we've done with Fratton Park so far over the past year since I've been here has made a huge difference to what we've been trying to achieve on the pitch, especially at home, and now we've got the Milton End sorted. It's been brilliant. I think it's been, it's been massive for anybody that's been there and they see the difference in the atmosphere. It's been a brilliant thing to be a part of. So I think the fans at, at any point make a huge difference and you know the way the things are now with the stadium uh, redevelopments and also the fact that we're doing OK in the league, I think all of those things help. Yeah, really gutting to hear uh, from John Massino there in regards to Tom Lowry suffering a grade two tear on his hamstring. Going to hear from specialists next week, our Pompey, to get a full diagnosis on that injury. So, um, yeah, it's not totally doom and gloom, I guess, at the moment for Pompey. They haven't got a clear-cut answer. But what we do know is he won't be involved against Reading tomorrow. But a grade two hamstring tear, if that is to be the case, could likely keep him out for six to eight weeks, which is pretty much the rest of the season. So, 
yeah, really, really sad in regards to Tom Lowry, adding to the long list of Pompey players who are out for the rest of the season. Alongside Joe Morrell, Regan Paul, Alex Robertson, Tom McIntyre and Terry Devlin as well. Fair to say, Kirsty, if Pompey do get promotion this season, they'd have done it by some miracle. Honestly, it just feels like it's just so against us. Like the, po- like the football gods are just like, do you know what? Have another player out. Why not? So obviously it's a, it's a massive shame. It's a massive shame for Lowry as well. I think he has probably spent more time injured in a Pompey shirt than he has actually playing mm. for us, um, which is a shame because he is he is great when he plays. Yeah. Like He proper makes some some moves in the midfield. So it is, it is a real big shame. But yeah, like you said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an absolute miracle. I think because it was at seven. If Larry's out, seven out, six, six out. So yeah, that's a that's a large amount for the whole season. So Just to add to all the other injuries we've had at various stages as yeah. well, Colby Bishop, Conor is not long returned to um, John Massino. They're also highlighting Sam that the club are not able to exercise the right to recall Harry Jett White from his loan at Haven to Waterlooville. First of all, what do you make of that news? And, and secondly, would that give you the opportunity maybe to dip into the free agent market, or do you think Pompey have got capable replacements on the bench in, re- in regards to maybe versatile players who can come and fill the position if needed? Yeah, I mean, I understand why we can't sort of get Harry Jett White back. I think we've been burnt so many times with with loan players being recorded. It sort of doesn't seem fair when the shoes on the other foot. We do it to sort of a club which we've got such sort of close connections with, with having Waterlooville. So it, it, I understand that the premise of it. Um, yeah, I think I think there are players who've played in midfield before. I think uh, I remember Conor Ogilvy beginning of last season, the season before when he played in midfield. Um, sort of chucked in the deep end. I think he he's more than capable. And Jack Sparks can fill in at left back. I think you can sort of look at putting Miles Pert Harris in a slightly deeper role, and then sort of bringing in Callum Lang into that ten, and then putting Paddy Lane and Kamari the side of him. Um, but I think I think Owen Moxon sort of it was signed potentially for this this sort of this this sort of role is 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 going to have a chance to play as much as possible and and, and make that central midfield spot his own. I think it's it's very unfortunate. I think. Uh, Connor Shocknessy is also a good option to have in midfield. I think he, he's done it before, and I think when we've sort of been defending leads, he's moved into midfield. When Regan Paul was fit and Sean Ragger came on to, to partner Regan Paul, I think I think I think they're they're the key options. I've seen sort of Zach Swanson, people talking about him moving into midfield possibly as well. Um, it's it's just terrible. Like I think Tom Lowry, like everything everything which can go wrong has gone wrong, and it's I think listening to Musinio after Tuesday, he sort of took responsibility for playing him. Um, I, th- I think you can't really blame Moose for, for, for chucking him in at the deep end. I think Owen Moxon's got to get up to speed and sort of gel with the teammates, whereas Lowry's been here for the for the last couple of seasons. It's just one of those things, and Tom Lowry seems to be one of the most unlucky players we, we've had in a long, long time. I think a lot of people sort of say that he's a bit of a sick note and he sort of can't can't stay fully fit, but I think when you're lucked out, you're lucked out, and it is another freak injury. And like you said earlier on, if we do go up this season, we, we've definitely earned it because... That injury list is ridiculous, and it just seems to be every week going forward. We we, we just seem to get a new injury, and yeah. yeah, touch wood, we don't have any more. But if you look at Joe Morrell and Tom Lowry both out now, it's, it's going to be a tough end of the season and a big ask for Marlon Packer and Moxon. Pompey Kai on Twitter saying uh, for Lowry to have this many injuries in his mid-twenties screams of an early retirement but sad to see uh, also but as a football club you can't just keep these players around I do like them a lot but players that can't stay fit are unreliable and let's be fair a waste of our money Scott Turnbull getting involved saying only negative from Tuesday is the Lowry injury if he's out for the season then in my opinion he has to go in the summer I really really rate him but um, unfortunately he's not quite up to standard in terms of fitness and we're going to get more from Pompey fans tuning in from back home in the third and final part of this evening's show. Bit of uh, good news, I guess, from the injury front. Uh, 
Zach Swanson is likely to return to training next week and Tino Andrin penning a return to training in the next few weeks, according to John Mussinio speaking to um, our friends at the Portsmouth News. Right, more on tomorrow's game against Reading and more on the opposition as well to come when the Football Hour returns for the third and final part after this break. For the fans, by the fans, the Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. The world is your oyster. With many bus routes offering services late into the evening, from 7pm every day you can take advantage of a night Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your night Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South. So whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, on a late shift or just enjoying late night bus rides, visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. For the fans, by the fans. The Football Hour with Jake Smith on Express FM. Yeah, good evening. Welcome back for the final time to the Football Hour here on Portsmouth Express FM. An email from Linda has got in touch tonight saying a good win on Tuesday, a better performance in the second half. The only downside was another injury. We were able to rest some players and had a strong bench. We're keeping the pressure on the chasing pack, which we need to do, especially when we have a difficult month coming up when we have to play the teams chasing promotion. We'll need to get something out of these games and the points we are ahead at the moment will help play at Pompey, says Linda. On the email, Gav Jones has got in touch saying Bishop may not have scored as many goals last season yet but he's still got another 13 games to go here's a great stat for you if you take Bishop's uh, goals away this season we would have dropped 16 points and be currently sat in 7th place on 53 not even in the playoffs never mind comparing him and Yengi or picking favourites let's just be grateful that we both have them at the club hate to say but I've got a horrible feeling that all week uh, tomorrow will end in a one-all draw cheers Gav thank you very much for your positivity tonight um, a couple of uh, people getting involved on X a great stat from Jay James Richardson saying, if anyone wants a, a run of how well our season's going so far, we're already around the mark. We were on it at the end of last season, or the last few seasons, with 13 matches to go. Now, last season, Pompey ended the campaign in 8th position on 70 points. The previous campaign, 10th position, 73 points, and their 8th position in 72 points as well. Pompey have 69 points on the board with 13 games remaining. So, as James mentioned there, quite rightfully emphasising the difference between Pompey this season and previous campaigns pains but a big test awaits for Blues at Fratton Park tomorrow. Reading, Kirsty aside, have been in the drop zone for the majority of the season so far but they've had a bit of an upturn of form recently and it's not going to be an easy test tomorrow. Nah, it won't be easy and I, obviously the stick they gave us when we were in the position they're in now, we just know that we're going to give them the same stick back and I really hope that does not come come turn around and bite us in the arse but <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out. But I, I feel like we can do it. Honestly, the amount of challenges we had thrown at us, Reading is a small challenge and it's it's going to be difficult but then we're going to be playing teams way better than Reading next year. So Hopefully. No, we will. Okay. We will. I'm not taking a draw either, so I'm not agreeing with Gav on that draw. <laughs> You've been taking a closer look into the Royals as well? Yes. Should we take a listen? Go on then. <laughs> on Tuesday night, the Blues came from behind for the ninth time in the league this season with a 3-1 victory over visitors Cambridge United. Now we move on to Pompey's second game at Fratton Park this week. This week's opposition. Financially challenged Reading are the visitors to PI4 on Saturday afternoon. The Royals were relegated from the Championship last season after a six-point deduction was placed against the club. Cardiff City would have faced a drop had it not been for this. Let's take a closer look into the side led by somebody who helped Pompey's South Coast rivals to Premier League relegation last season. Manager. Spanish manager Ruben Sales is at the helm for the Royals. 
Born in Valencia, he played for local side Pereta CF for finishes formation with Bergerot CF. At the young age of 16, Celes was already coaching the youth sides of Pereta and in 2002 he entered the University of Valencia to become coach of the club's football team, leading them to their promotion in their first senior season. Celes managed his university side for six years. With coaching experience in Greece, Russia, Azerbaijan, Denmark and Spain, Sellers came to England to join then Premier League outfit Southampton as assistant to Ralph Hasenhutl in June 2022. In November of the same year, Hasenhutl was sacked, placing Sellers in caretaker charge of the club. However, he only took charge of one match before new manager Nathan Jones was appointed. After Jones was sacked in February 2023, Sellers was put back in charge and oversaw a 1-0 victory away over Chelsea. The 40-year-old was then appointed manager until the end of the 2022-23 season. In his three months in charge, Sellers oversaw the relegation of Southampton to the Championship, having won just two games in 17 matches. In July 2023, Reading confirmed the appointment of Sellers as the club's first team manager. His first game in charge was a 1-0 defeat to Peterborough United. One to watch. I want to watch this time around is winger come striker Femi Aziz. After playing for Northwood under-18s during the 2017-18 season, Aziz made his senior debut for the club toward the end of the same season, making a total of 12 appearances for the club. Aziz also played for Wildstone and Hanwell Town on loan before announcing the move to Reddins Academy in September 2019. In February 2020, he joined Brecknell Town on an initial 28-day loan deal. Reddin announced that Aziz had signed a new one-year contract with the club and a year later, the Royals confirmed another one-year contract. The 22-year-old scored his first goal for Reading and his first professional goal too in a 2-1 win against Preston North End in August 2021. With seven goals and six assists this season, Aziz wears a number 11 shirt for the Royals. Top scorer. Harvey Nibs is the current top goal scorer so far this campaign. Nibs joined the Nottingham Forest Academy as a child before moving to the Aston Villa Academy. He signed his first professional contract at the end of the 2016-17 season. In June 2019, he signed a two-year contract with Cambridge United and on his debut two months later, Nibs scored the winning penalty as a used defeated championship side at Brentford at Griffin Park in the Carabao Cup. The forward made 156 appearances and scored 26 goals across all competitions in his four seasons with the club in League 2 and League 1. Nibs signed a three-year contract with the Royals in July 2023 and he has so far made 35 appearances, scoring eight goals and making four assists. Nibs wears a number seven shirt for Reading. Current form. A turbulent start to the season saw the Royals hit with a four-point deduction due to an off-field problems, and they have been lingering around the relegation zone for the majority of the campaign up until now. Ruben Sellers' side are unbeaten in their last six league matches and have lost just one of their last 13. That's a 1-0 defeat away at Wigan on the 20th of January. In midweek, a 74th-minute Lewis Wing strike had given Reading a 1-0 lead away at Fleetwood Town. However, the host equalised right at the death to make it on as even on the flight coast. Only once in the last 47 years have the Royals secured a league victory at Fratton Park, and that came in the Championship on the 27th of September 1997. The last league meeting on the south coast between the two sides ended in a 1-0 victory for Portsmouth in August 2011. Dave Kitson with the only goal of the game at the start of the season, which saw Pompey relegated for the Championship and Reading Crown champions. This season's reverse fixture so the Blues come back from behind to run out victorious by three goals to two at the Select Carleeson Stadium. Who will come out on top in front of an expected crowd of over 20,000 at Fratton Park? All of the immiscible action on Pompey Live. 
pre-recorded Kirsty Roxanne with a closer look into Reading then Pompey's opponents at Fratton Park tomorrow afternoon. We'll have a much closer look into the Royals when Pompey Live returns from 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Joe Wood has got in touch uh, on X saying uh, Sean Raggett, a figure that gets knocked by his fan base an awful lot and quite often it is unfair. He's been a great servant to the club and never gives anything other than 100%. Sex with examples uh, for other Pompey players. And that is a great point because Sean Raggett on Tuesday night uh, made his 227th appearance for Portsmouth Football Club, a record for any Pompey player in the 21st century. He surpassed the previous holder of that record, Ronan Curtis, who had made 226 appearances for the Blues. Linvoid Primus currently in third position, having made 219. Gareth Evans and Christian Burgess just behind um, those three players. So Sean Raggett, Pompey's record appearance holder in the 21st century after his 227th appearance on Tuesday night. Congratulations to him. Um, Ollie Birch saying Pompey have 69 points from 33 games in the last 10 years in League One. Only one team has missed out on automatic promotion, having 69 or more points after 33. Matt Sheffield Wednesday last season. Out of the 20 teams automatically promoted, only five had more than 69 points. Looking further back, no team has ever had 69 points after 33 games not been promoted at all. Thank you, Ollie. And Jeff Harris saying, I absolutely love seeing and hearing Pompey fans in the Milton End last night. Uh, well, this is on Wednesday, he, he tweeted this, but saying, uh, changing the way we attack, a meaningless thing uh, to do when they are like that. It certainly helped uh, on Tuesday getting the team over the line. And yeah, Michael Morrison, Cambridge defender, opting to shoot towards the uh, Milton End first to you know, prevent Pompey from shooting towards the Fratton End uh, in the second half. Didn't make any difference because of those Blues fans in the Milton End. And we're expecting over 20,000 in attendance at Fratton Park tomorrow which will be a record uh, in the last 13 years been a very long time since Pompey have achieved that many Blues fans at a game um, so very much looking forward to that one you can really tell how much of a difference uh, having Pompey fans in Matt Milton End is having this season right Pompey Live will be returning to the airwaves tomorrow afternoon from 2 o'clock with all of the build up half time analysis and post game reaction as Portsmouth entertain Reading at Fratton Park do join us it's going to be a big one here we go Pompey Live Portsmouth made it three wins in three in midweek. And Kamara scores! What a goal! Leo from Abu Kamara! It flips the bar and goes in. And Poppy have that third goal. The second home game of the week comes as the men host Reading. Join us for all of the unmissable action Saturday afternoon from 2. Every kick, every goal, every game is right here on Express FM. Pompey Live. With Aquacars. It is indeed tomorrow afternoon from 2 o'clock. Kickoff at Fratton Park, of course, 3pm. Right, let's get some score predictions. We were really interrupted by that advert. We ran out of time. Uh, score predictions then, please. Uh, Pompey taking on Reading at Fratton Park tomorrow afternoon. We're going to start off with Sam Macy. 1-0 uh, Pompey, Paddy Lane. 1-0 Pompey, Paddy Lane. Sam, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Football Hour again this evening, my friend. Pleasure as always, mate. Thanks for having me. And to Kirsty Roxanne as well. Uh, just finally, please, uh, score prediction, please. I think there's going to be loads of goals. I'm going to say 4-2 to Pompey. 4-2 to don't Pompey? don't know why. It just came into my head and I thought, I think that's going to be Why it. not 7-4 like it was in 2000? Yeah, yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? 2007, wouldn't it? 2007, I believe. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. What a game. Oh, it wasn't there, but what a match. <laughs> Kirsty, great to have you on the football. Thank you so much, Jake. Have a lovely weekend. Shall do indeed. Hopefully it'll be wrapped up with three points from Pompey tomorrow afternoon. School Days with Steve Randall returns right after the news at 7 o'clock here on Express FM. I'll be back with two more Blues fans on Monday to review what we hope to be a win at Fratton Park tomorrow. But until then, Blues fans, take care and have a fantastic weekend.